0: I was going to start off this week's podcast with a joke about time travel, but none of you liked it. This is Across the Table, the podcast of Hannibal the Magician. Hello everyone and welcome to episode four of Hannibal Across the Table. Thanks for joining me again. If you're joining me for the first time, I'm Hannibal. I'm a magician based out of Charlotte, North Carolina, and this is my life. I actually had a couple of private messages this week asking me about the title of the show. I made uh, an assumption, I guess, that it was clear to anyone that had seen me, but uh, I guessed wrong. So, after many uh, attempts and many, many, uh, I had a long list of names I was going to call the show, um, trying to choose between several clever things and some puns and some plays off of my name or even just plain old The Hannibal Podcast, which, uh, you know, that's that's kind of how I refer to it anyway. But um, every real meaningful conversation that I've had with someone that influenced my life has taken place while sitting across the table from them. Um, things have been hashed out. Arguments have been settled. Um, love has been declared. All kinds of things. Um, sitting at a table, sitting at a kitchen table across from my parents, across from my children, across from friends and and my wife. And, and uh, you know, it all happened sitting at a kitchen table or at a at a diner or or someplace like that where there was a table between us and and common ground and then the style of performance that I do uh, that I specialize in close-up magic as well as parlor magic there's a table involved the audience on one side usually and me on the other so my performance comes out across the table and I like just on a side note which is completely unrelated but I like sitting at a table with a group of people I just met and entertaining them or showing them things or telling them stories. It seems to me to be closer, and that's the way I preferred to work when I worked at a restaurant. I um, I would have a chair brought to the table or I would bring one myself and I would sit down with the people I was, as as often as I could, I would sit down with the people that I was entertaining so that we started off on an equal basis. I wasn't wasn't standing over them. And it became a lot more friendly and I established a lot of great relationships that way. Just there's just something about the the feel of sitting down with someone, especially if there's food involved, and and really hashing things out. That's not a pun. I didn't mean for that to come out as a pun, but uh you don't understand what I mean. Really getting to the heart of the matter. So hi, I'm Hannibal. Welcome back. Welcome for the first time. Here's my life and here's what's going on in it. Um, before I go any further, this is, a, this is the business part that kind of needs to be done. This show is sponsored by and inspired by you. Everything that I do here is from my heart and sharing my story with you. Hopefully you'll find something you can take away that has some meaning to you, that uh, brings something real and, and substantial into your life. That's my goal to let my life be try to be an inspiration to others that's that's what I strive for and that's what I'm going for so the show is uh, is for you and it is sponsored by you my ability to have the time to sit down and write out this program and to record it and get it out to you is sponsored through you attending my shows or just supporting me both emotionally spiritually and financially And if you're interested in being an investor in what I do and my ability to travel and bring shows more to the public, I have set up a Patreon page for that uh, specific need. It is patreon.com slash magic artist. And there are several levels from $1 up to whatever you feel you can afford on a monthly basis to help keep this program going and expanding and improving as I go forward. Letting me know that you're uh, that you're supporting me emotionally is always is always good. If you can't afford, and a lot of us, I know these days, things are tight all around, um, send me a note. Drop me a note. Let me know you're thinking of me and cheering me on. That's greatly appreciated. Also, if you don't want to do the Patreon thing, if you'd rather do a one-time donation, my PayPal is chris, C-H-R-I-S, at com, And that's the business stuff out of the way. I just, um, things are going well, business is going well, but I want to be able to continue to do these things, uh, get books out to you, get video- videos out to you, and this allows that to happen while I am recovering from the uh, surprising financial crunch that I had over the past couple of years, and I'm not going to get into that today. But uh, those of you that follow me that know what's going on, or if you've listened to other shows in this series so far, we've, we've discussed it. And it'll probably come up again because I know me. This week I had the privilege to do perhaps the the show that I look forward to more than any other during my year. I kind of halfway joke about what I do and, and the way that I do it. I don't I don't do a lot of family programs and I do no children's programs at all. I don't do any I don't do kids' birthday parties, I don't do um any kind of the occasional bar mitzvah but I'm usually bar or bat mitzvah I'm usually entertaining the adults rather than the kids and that's simply because that's my style I don't have a dirty show by any sense I I don't cross any lines but it is grown up in nature and it's not aimed specifically for children so I don't market myself for children Um, that is a challenge that I don't pursue. I know some very outstanding children's magicians who make a nice living doing what they do and absolutely love entertaining children, but it's just not in my wheelhouse. But, here's the exception to that rule. One day a year, one show a year, I devote entirely uh, to kids, to children. And oddly enough, even though I joke about that being the one children's show that I do a year, I really look forward to it more than anything else that I do. Beginning about 11 years ago, I I guess we did the math while I was there, but around 10 or 11 years ago, through some wonderful people that I met, and I believe we met while I was working at a restaurant somewhere, I started doing some charity work, some uh, donated work for the muscular dystrophy. I'm going to say this correctly the muscular dystrophy association of charlotte north carolina and they asked for some help with a with a fundraiser and i came out and happy to perform for that to help kids go to camp to help kids with various forms of muscular dystrophy have a full week at camp just like i did just like a lot of you did being having the ability with the special needs that they have, the challenges that they face, to be able to go and have a fun time outdoors with friends. And uh, I was happy to do that. Well, then they asked me to come and actually perform for the kids at camp. And I argued at first. I kind of was hesitant at the beginning because I thought, like I said, I don't really have a show that is appropriate for young children. So we went back and forth about it. They assured me that, Whatever I could do, or whatever I could bring to the table, so to speak, uh, would be welcome. So I prepared, to the best of my ability, I prepared a a thirty five minute show for a group of kids. and i I the very first year, and i I dreaded it, i I dragged my feet. I thought, this can't possibly go well. You know I'm going to let them down. I don't really know what to expect i was I was a little nervous about what the audience was going to be like what their attention span was going to be like and if i could even hold it with a group of kids and i had the most amazing time that that very first that very first year that they they were responsive they were fun they were funny they were challenging in all the right cool ways i mean they were heckling some of them and it, and it was amazing it was really really Awesome, and I don't know how to explain this better than than just to tell you straight out. After the first year, I couldn't wait to come back. I wanted to come back a second day that that same week, but they uh, they they had too many other things planned and they couldn't do it. And um, so, I, I prepared a, what I thought was a better show the next year, and the next year, and the next year, and now. The counselors look forward to me coming, and the kids know that I'm coming, and they tell the the new kids that have never seen me before about what's they they've become a really cool little hardcore Hannibal fan group, um, and I love them to death. I, I've seen, of course, because of the nature of things and it being summer camp, and the number of years that I've spent, I've watched some some really neat human, amazing individuals come and go, and and it's always sad. You know, to uh, for one to either age out or or for another reason not being able to attend. But I, I learn a lot. I, I give of myself. I really, you know, I give everything that I possibly can. I give as hard for those kids as I do for any other show that I do, and possibly harder because I really, really admire the situation that I that I get the privilege to be in. They, they, they they move me, okay? I, I look at the challenges that these innocent, young human beings face and they have the strength and the courage to be able to overcome and to keep moving forward and to chase their own dreams. They... I, I, I'm trying, I'm struggling for the words here, but... It's like I've always said find your ability and put your passion and your your devotion and your and your energy behind it you know not so much chasing a dream that you have or something that you have a passion for but finding out what you're good at and putting all your love and your energy and your strength behind that because that's where your happiness is going to lie that's where you're going to find your center and these young adults i mean cuz they are they're facing challenges that they shouldn't have to face at this stage in their life and they do it with grace and they do it with laughter and they do it with strength that they shouldn't even have at this point in their lives like i said they were heckling and challenging and and into it and and making fun of themselves and <sighs> It isn't, you know, it's, again, and this is going to be a cliche, but cliches are cliches for a reason. It's not the hand you're dealt, but it's what you do with it. It's how you play the cards you have in front of you. You know, that's very, you know, it's cliche coming from my profession, and then and, and that's, so be it. You know, that's what it is. But it's a fact. They were dealt a really crappy hand. And while there is there is struggle, and there is there are times when I'm you know I, I can't imagine myself, but I know there are times when it's got to be overwhelming. But here I am up in front of them, and they are some of them confined to wheelchairs, and some of them can't you know you don't have full function of their hands, and 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 they are wrapped attention into what I'm doing, and they are volunteering to come up and help and wanting to be up on stage like nobody's business um fellow magicians will tell you there's there's times with certain audiences where nobody wants to be picked all of these kids want to be picked they want to be part of the show they want to show what they can do and 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 really feel the the magic of what i'm bringing and it's heart lifting and it's heartbreaking and it's Happy and sad and it's the most amazing emotional roller coaster there is. And I walk out of there feeling like a hero. But I'm gonna tell you, these kids, these these individuals that I get the privilege to work for, they're every single one of them superheroes on their own. Every single one of them. And I am I am humbled to the point of uh, to, to being able to be there and, and do what I do, my humble little gift really kicks off their week from what I can tell really kicks off their week really really well and I get letters and I get emails and 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 from from them and from parents and and I've become friends with uh, several of the parent groups and 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 I, I'm just I, I'm a little overwhelmed. I'm sorry. I uh, I'm grateful. I'm very very grateful. Oh, and don't let me forget um, in addition to this to to these kids to to these amazing spectacular kids the other group that's there are the counselors for these kids these these young adults and and slightly older young adults that show up year after year after year on a volunteer basis to spend a week helping these helping these guys swim helping them ride horses they they do you know your standard camp stuff they do uh they have campfires and they sing and they and they tell stories and they play pranks on each other and right there with them are the ultra superhumans uh these counselors these these fabulous fabulous people that give of their time for a full week and go through the whole range of emotion and the whole range of 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 challenges that they go through to give these kids an amazing week at camp and Man, my hat's off to all of you. You are you are my heroes. You you do the thing. You walk the walk like nobody's else. You you really give love in a very, very practical, very visible, very personal sort of a way. And I admire the hell out of all of you. Um Yeah, so there uh also the leadership i am gonna go down the list i guess uh the leadership the people that are there that that run the things that organize the things that 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 get the counselors with the right kids that that host the events that that have to deal with me you know diva me sometimes that uh to get me in there uh lucas my friend lucas co runs the whole thing is the is the uh, chief of the of the whole operation, or at least he was till this year. He's been promoted up, and and uh, but he's been a great friend, and he's been a great inspiration to me in all that I do. And if I could get personal, without choking up here, that's gonna be that might be tough. I just had the worst two two and a half years of my life. Everything that I that I held dear, everything that I that I leaned on and trusted in and everything fell to pieces from my family to losing close friends to losing people. I mean, literally losing people, people, uh, close friends and mentors that that killed themselves, personal friends that that felt they couldn't take it anymore and took their own way out. I spent the, the last two years just at the bottom, as, as low as I possibly could go. And one of the things in, in the therapy sessions that I took, one of the things that I was advised was to embrace the things in my life that were fun and, and embrace the work that I do and the, the people that I do it for. And that was a struggle, because there was a long time I was—I got selfish about it and I thought, well, sure, I'm giving all of this to these people and I'm standing on the stage and I'm, I'm doing what I can to inspire them and, and to entertain them and make them laugh. And who's doing that for me, right? I, I had those, those selfish thoughts, I'll be honest with you. And I'll tell you who's doing something for me or who did for me or who was the last straw that kept me on this side of that line, and it was MDA summer camp. It was the kids that were there. It was the counselors that encouraged me. That that, that saw last year when I went, they saw how badly I was hurting. You know, I got out. And, you know, and 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 I was embraced immediately. I was, uh, they fed me and they talked to me and they they encouraged me the entire time I was there because they could see the state of mind I was in, and they got me through it. And if I'm completely honest with myself, this year, on the way down, I was I was in a very low place. Not not as low as I have been, but I was in a very low place driving down there. And the moment I walked in, my entire attitude changed. I could feel the love just in every in every square inch, in every cubic inch of that room when I walked into it. And I sat down and I had food with some some old friends. And I saw some old faces and some new faces and some challenging faces and and some kids that wanted to be right up front so they could catch what I was doing. And and when the show was over, there was a whole group of, uh, man, I don't know, a dozen or so uh, counselors and, and campers that clustered around my table and just, just wanted to talk, wanted to hear stories, wanted to see one more trick real close up. And... You know me I'm a show-off so I did that too but they changed my whole attitude they changed my entire outlook on my life at some of the roughest times that I've had I went there to entertain them and to lift them up and they did it for me so all of that to say if you get the chance you have an ability. You, sitting right there, wherever you are, you have something you do well. You have something that your hands were made to do. Put your passion behind it and do the best you can for your own heart and what you do, but take the time to, to give freely and without any expectation to, to take what you have and give it to somebody who could really use it. Because I think you're going to be surprised... It'll come back around on you. It'll, it'll, it'll boomerang right back at you because exactly what you're sowing and exactly what you're putting out into the universe is going to come right back to you a hundred, a thousand, a million times greater than, than what you did. That's a guarantee. I've watched it happen in my own life. I lost almost everything, but I didn't lose that ability to to love strangers to to perform for people for their enjoyment and selfishly the emotion and the energy and the love that I got back from what I put out so go for it find out what you do and give it away you know <laughs> Yeah, I'm off the soapbox. I just, uh, it was a really emotional time. It was a really fantastic time. I, it it went by too fast. I I was there three or four hours. I don't know. It it all just went by as a blur and they were all fantastic there. They, they were trying hard to bust me and they were, I I could go on and on about it, but, but suffice it to say, I, uh, I feel like a much better person for, for knowing this group for being a part of, of being a tradition I guess now of, uh, of summer camp week for the uh, Charlotte Muscular Dystrophy Association and if you're looking for a good charity if you're looking for someone that could use a hand that could use some help Charlotte MDA look them up on Facebook look them up on Google they're out there Hex, uh, send me a private message I will get, I'll put you in touch but put uh, your emotions and your your spirituality and whatever it else you is you is whatever else it is that you have uh, in this direction, it's it's well worth it. Okay, following that, uh, I I went up to um, that was uh, that was last Monday. I went up to uh, Asheville to uh, to do a couple of shows up there. The first was for. The inimitable Park West Gallery, the uh, art auctioneer company that I do, and this this is one of the perfect times. Asheville, North Carolina is about two and a half hours from where I live in Charlotte, and it's uh, it's up in the mountains, and the drive I took the leisurely route because it goes through uh, through the forests and through the the mountainous parts and It's glorious almost any time of year almost any time of year driving up there the the foliage and and the wilderness and everything that is right on the edge of the roads is spectacular it's it's amazing it's it's one of the you know it'll wrap your heart up you know i took a lot of pictures um for myself just just for the the gloriousness of being able to get up there had a, a great show bigger crowd than they usually have uh they generally do around 150 at at the most but this time they had well over 250 and so it was a bit of a challenge but we uh we worked it out we we changed the program a little bit for for visibility's sake and uh left them left them feeling happy the uh i posted up on facebook that my favorite ovation is uh, joyful tears and i got a little bit of that with my closer um which I'm always grateful for. And then the following night after that, I went just outside of Asheville, about an hour outside of Asheville, to a, a town called Silva and a uh, bar-slash-grill called Sneaky Squirrel. Great people, fun people, uh, did kind of a bar-slash-restaurant show, just wandering around, mix and mingle kind of a thing, and uh, relaxed and plied my craft. And looked out at the scenery every chance I could. Uh, so a very blissful weekend, and uh, now I'm home safe and relaxing back into my honeycomb. And gonna bring you something. Uh, I had an idea middle of the week last week about something that a topic that some people seem to have been interested in. So I'm gonna go ahead and put my flag in the sand and declare myself somewhat of an expert in this particular field. Of magic, I did it for, gosh, over 15 years, uh, on a consistent basis, and it's still something that I do whenever there's a need or whether I feel like it would be a good idea to take new material out to an unforgiving audience and see how I can do it. Uh, I'm talking about busking, and uh, I busking for those of you who. I'm not totally familiar with the term, is basically street theater, uh, singing or drawing or dancing or performing magic tricks or juggling or being a mime, um, performing unofficially on a street, on a busy street for people passing by and soliciting for tips, putting out your hat or, or visibly vocally asking for whatever money they can spare for your performance. Um, a lot of theaters, and I, I, I put this up as part of my, uh, my hat lines, that when I'm asking for money out working on the street, most places you go for entertainment, they charge you up front. You have to pay to see the movie before you see it. You have to buy your, your seat in the theater to see the play you want to see. You have to buy concert tickets to see the band. And maybe it's a horrible experience. Maybe you don't like the play. Maybe the band is just off that night and they're just not any good, but you've already paid and you've seen it. With street theater, with busking, you get to watch the whole show. You get to see the entire performance and then decide what you're going to pay and if you're going to pay. And to me, that's what made it exciting. That's what made it a challenge. That's what more than a lot of things in my career, in my, my little journey doing magic tricks for people, that's improved my show in, in ways that nothing else possibly could. I had to be good. I had to please the audience while still maintaining you know, my, my own integrity in the way of performing I wanted to do, the excellence that I wanted to bring, but still make them want to pay me at the end to give them something of quality so that I could get something of quality in return. And that's what busking is. You're out there by yourself. Generally, by yourself. Uh, There are teams and there are bands that do it. And I'll address that because one of the questions was specifically about that. But uh, you're out there on your own and you have to convince people to stop for a moment and watch what you're doing or listen to what you're doing. And then you have to hold them there. You have to be interesting enough to where they will take an extra few minutes before they go to wherever they were heading for. And then you have to ask for money, and be willing to accept whatever they decide to give, even if it's nothing. You have to be grateful for the experience, and the uh, even if it's only rehearsal time that it ends up being. But that's that's the nature of busking uh, in the uh, in the concrete theater. So earlier this week, when I had the idea to do a discussion about busking and. I can only imagine this is going to take more than one episode. We will probably revisit this again in the future because it's, a, it's an ever-evolving thing. But I've done it for a while and I can go ahead and, and proclaim myself uh, well-rehearsed, re- well well-versed, and somewhat of an expert on it. So, so I, I decided to throw it out to the sponsors on Patreon and the, the followers that I have on uh, Twitter and Facebook. And I just simply asked, "I'm going to be talking about busking. I spent over a decade working in it. Or do you have any specific questions you'd like me to talk about?" And I got some really, really interesting responses. And I'm going to, I'm seriously just going to address them in the order to which they came, and try not to get off on too many tangents. But I kind of, I kind of get the feeling you enjoy the tangents as well, because that's where the stories come from, right? Cool. So, Andy, my friend Andy on Facebook, wrote, What do you do to form a crowd so you can get started? Well, I'm going to back up one step from that question. Before you go out, before you hit the streets, before you take your act out to the public, and there's a follow-up, so don't don't cut me off too soon. Number one rule uh, to being a success as a performer, to making a living as a performer, to getting money, getting fame, Walking your road. The number one thing as a performer, I hope you're writing this down. Are you ready? Okay, this is gold here, and I might not repeat it more than five or six times. Have a kick-ass act. Number one rule, have a kick-ass act. If you don't have a kick-ass act, if you don't have something that people are going to be interested in, then it's not going to come. The rest of it's not going to come now. Yes, you remain true to yourself. Yes, you have integrity in what you're doing. Yes, you follow what your ability is and put your passion your devotion and love behind it. And you can do all of those things and nobody could like it. Nobody could like it. But the exercise and the the process of actually putting to, an act together and, and making it worthwhile and making it a kick-ass act in your own eyes is worth the journey itself. And perhaps... After that is done, then you begin tweaking it and seeing what you do to get people interested in it, to say what you're going to say. You're saying something with your art. No matter what it is, no matter how you're presenting it, you are saying something. Even if what you're saying is, I didn't rehearse this enough, you're making a statement with your art. So, number one rule, have a kick-ass act. Andy's question was, what do you do to form a crowd so you can get started? Well... You, you go where the crowd is, first of all, you go where there are going to be people. You, you could you know be out on a backcountry road and be the greatest in the world, but there's nobody there to see you. So what I did when I first got out there on the street and, and what uh, what worked well for me was I found out where stuff was happening. I checked to see where the busiest hotels were, what restaurants, You know, we're we're, we're hot in the Charlotte uptown area. Uh, All of my my busking at the beginning took place in Charlotte, North Carolina. It remains my hometown for now. Um, And it's the place where I did most of the busking that I did. Most of the success I had was on the streets of Charlotte. So I looked to see what restaurants were hot. I looked to see what sporting events were going on at the arenas uptown. I looked to see what plays were happening in the theater district. And wherever there was something hot and exciting and there were people going to be out on the streets, that's where I was. How do you do that? Well, it's a lot easier these days than it was when I did it. I used to pick up the phone and make calls and find out what was playing where. Look in the local papers. I would look in the local creative loafing, an arts mag that that used to be really popular in Charlotte. You have the internet. You have a search of wherever you are in whatever city you are. To find out not only where things are happening, but when they're happening, Uh, and you can judge from that. The thing I'm I'm talking about this is, if you're going to do this to go out and make money, if this is a a thing you want to pursue, and your heart's in it and it's worthwhile for you, it's worthwhile doing the entire job, and part of the entire job is finding out where the people are going to be. Does your town have a baseball team, basketball, football? Where are the arenas? Where do they play? Where are the theater things happening that are going to be indoors? What are the hot restaurants? What hotel, what fine hotel? Uh, Let me give you an example. The Ritz-Carlton in Charlotte, North Carolina, sits on the corner of uh, Trade Street and College. Now, right directly across the street from the Ritz-Carlton is a shopping center uh, called the Epicenter. And they have retail shops, and they have uh, bars with live bands, and they have um, a ton of restaurants. And looking at the geography of it, it was fairly simple to see that here's a bunch of people in a hotel, and right across the street, there's a bunch of places to eat, and movie theaters, and places to go do something while they're in town. So I should be directly between those two things. So I set up on the corner there, right across from the front door of the Ritz-Carlton, and I waited for people to come out and head for dinner, and then I made a spectacle of myself. I started declaring there's going to be a free magic show here. I, I'm not sure I even put the word magic in there. I said there's going to be a free show here. There's going to be um, sanctioned by the epicenter, because kind of, sort of, I was. The security people loved me, so I was kind of sanctioned. But... Um, I would make a spectacle I would I would use the, the stick that I was using As a magic wand And I would bang on the cups And I would get their attention And I dressed myself To look professional When I was working on the street I would wear clean shirts I would wear a vest over a clean t-shirt Or over a clean dress shirt um, If the weather permitted If it wasn't too extremely hot I would wear a shirt and tie I would look like a professional performer. Um, Now, comfort, if you're going to be out there for hours and hours and hours, of course, your comfort and your your safety and, and everything else needs to come in line with what you wear. But don't look like a bum. Don't look like a panhandler. Nothing against bums and panhandlers. For those of you who are starting to write letters, don't do that either. No, you know, look like you belong there. You know, adopt the attitude that this is my spot. This is where I'm supposed to be. This is who I am, and I'm about to bring you something worth stopping for. A lot of it is psychological. Having the confidence to simply stand there and talk to people as they're coming up. Start talking to them when they're a ways away, and don't be creepy about it, you know? The whole thing about stopping a crowd is stopping one person. Getting one person or a couple of people interested in what you're doing and starting in for them, and, and people are a lot more comfortable If they see you already performing for somebody else, they'll at least slow down and then get interested. And the crowd builds from there. Um, A lot of it depends on your personality. I've seen Gazzo, you know, he insults people as they go by. But he does it in a humorous way. He does it in a gentle, humorous, (laughs) sarcastic, loud sort of a way. And the people around him, the people that are already there around him, laugh. And that kind of lets them know, okay, this is a thing that's official; it's supposed to be happening. In general, I will talk to people starting as much as fifteen feet away. I will compliment them on their shoes, which throws people off, but I'm sincere about it. You know, I look for nice shoes. Um, I let them know there's a show getting ready to start. I will say, I will ask for thirty seconds of their time because that's enough to get them hooked. If I get the the first little gag underway, they're usually willing to stay for more. And understand the majority of the people you do that to, the majority of the people you're going to do that for are going to walk on by and they will either make an excuse or they will just keep their eyes forward and keep going. But you keep trawling and you stay nice and you stay polite and you stay professional and you cause a scene, you know, on a on a low-key sort of a, of a way. You're not threatening anybody or making it uncomfortable for anybody, but you're letting the people know from a distance um, that there's something special going on. That's another point I should probably put out. Don't be hidden. Be in plain view. Get in a place where they can size you up as they're walking up to you. Don't spring it on them. Don't, Don't surprise them. Let them get a good look at you as they're traveling towards you. That's that's a, a a lot of it right there. Just just them knowing that okay, he's well dressed. He seems to be well mannered. He is the people that are walking by are laughing, or the people that are standing there are laughing. Let's take a chance and see what's going on. It's a big part of it. Um, so that's how I start to form the crowd. I get two or three. They react, and other people see their reactions, and I I notice them. You always keep an eye on what's going on around you. Of course you do. That's a safety issue as well as a, as a getting a crowd issue. You see who's walking by. You see what's, what's going on, and, and you invite them over. Hey, you, they're enjoying it. Come over and see for yourself. It looks better from over here. It's kind of a close-up act. Come over and take a close-up look and entice the next people to walk up, and the crowd builds from there. Now, in my own style... In the, old, in the way that I do things, and this is not everybody's way. You're going to have to find your own thing of being what you're comfortable with. I don't like the crowd to get more than a dozen. Ten or twelve people is more than enough for me, and I do a quick act. I, I, there's a lot of magic that happens in there. There's little souvenirs that get given out as, as it's going on. My business cards are in plain view. I get them laughing. I show them something amazing, and I let them go. It's a catch and release Um, There are other buskers who draw huge crowds, who want to get 20, 30, 50 people and and give them a show. Um, I give them a show, but I give them a a, a brief show. I give them a teaser. I give them something to where, honestly, what, what worked for me in the streets of Charlotte was they would see me on their way to dinner, and they would make it a point to come back after dinner because during food they've been talking about me. They've been talking about the show they just saw. Let's go back and see if he's still there. Let's see if he's doing something new. Or maybe we can catch him if if he's doing the same trick as somebody else. For whatever reason, I I pick up a lot of the people sometimes two or three times as they're circling around for their other entertainment. Um, But for me, what worked best was to get a small, intense crowd of about a dozen people, um, entertain them, make them laugh, blow their socks off with some good magic, have a kick-ass act, ask for their money, collect their money, and and, and joke with them while you're collecting their money so they're comfortable giving it to you. Um, never be a jerk about it. As people walk away and not tipping, I, I generally don't say anything other than good night. Thanks for stopping in. And the more comfortable you make it, the more money you can make. Now... At the height of I'm, I'm, this is a straight-up show. I mean, you, you asked questions, I'm going to give you straight-up answers, and I'm not going to exaggerate, and I'm not going to hold back. You got specific questions. In general, at the height of what, what I was doing, when I was out there five nights a week, six nights a week, and, and really really putting the grind in, really putting the work into busking, I would average 60 to 70 dollars an hour um, doing card tricks. And that is pulling in a crowd of 10, holding them for five to ten minutes, you know, which is a nice little show, um, asking for their money, handing out business cards if they asked for those and collecting their, their cash. And on the average, I could count on 60 to 70 dollars per hour. Now that took a couple of years of grinding and, and, and learning and failing and succeeding to get to that point. And that was about an average for, you know, Charlotte being a mid-sized city in southern, in the uh, southeastern part of the United States. It, wor- it worked well for me. You know, that that's about what I could expect. And there's other stories that go along with that that I'm going to touch on as we go through this. But uh, there was a time when I was dividing my time between doing restaurants and I was doing the street busking because I had four kids. I had four children and a wife and, and a family to support. And when things were lean or when bills had to be paid, I put my time and my energy and my passion behind taking it out to the to the street and earning the money that way. Um I'm I'm kind of knocking on wood on this one, but I haven't had to go and seek a, a part time job. Because my part time job was busking, was getting out on the street and doing what I did. And I looked at it as a full time job. I would put in at times, and at times, 35 to 40 hours a week, like a regular job, out on the street, performing, doing what I love, learning and getting better and polishing and making what I could make. Now, when I say on the average, that's exactly what I mean. There were hours that went by when I made nothing or I made 5 or 10 bucks and there were hours that went by when I would pull in 2 or 300 bucks an hour just because people were generous or I caught just the right person at the right time but it balances it averages out and you have really exciting highs and you have some really dismal lows and you know you're at the you're at the mercy of the weather a lot of times but after a while you get a you get a feel for it you get a rhythm for what's coming along and how to deal with the next people that are coming up and you know how's the weather going to affect and have i have i had enough water am i in, et cetera? lots of things happen out there but it's the most exciting most the the best rehearsal space that i ever had because you got to understand these people can walk away at any time if you're not entertaining um, there, there are certain people that will stand and watch a train wreck, but they won't watch it for very long. And you you find out pretty quickly, you know, this works, this doesn't, and uh, and you polish from there. So in that aspect of it, to become a really good entertainer, a good showman, I can't tell you of a better spot to do it in than, than grinding it out on the streets hour after hour after hour in front of... A sometimes lethargic, sometimes angry, sometimes unhappy crowd or group of people that stop with you uh, and win them over, and as in all things, uh, the journey of what you're doing is is a lot more valuable sometimes than the payoff. If that makes sense, uh, I'm, I'm I'm beginning to ramble. Let me get back to the questions and get back online. Uh, how do you handle? This is from Kurt, also on Facebook. How do you handle the know-it-alls and the hecklers? Believe it or not, I've had less and fewer know-it-alls and hecklers than I would get at an average comedy club or even a corporate event, because it's on the street. They may heckle and they may know it all and they may point things out, but you, you know, there are stock lines and and the the main thing they're going to do before they'll start to heckle or, or, or try to be a know-it-all or try to point something out is they'll just simply walk away. Uh, we've got better things to do and they'll walk off and go, you know, go to the restaurant or whatever they were planning on doing before you stopped them. The real hecklers, the ones that become a problem, I will hit them back with a funny line. You know, I will, I will, this, you know, you know all the, the heckler stoppers and all the things. If not, there's lots of resources for that. But honestly, In dealing with hecklers in general, the thing you have to remember is, one, in a lot of cases, not all cases, and I'll touch on that, but in a lot of cases, they are simply wanting to be a part of the fun. They're wanting to be a part of the show. They want the attention that you're getting, and so I give it to them. I will will give it to them in a happy way, and if they still won't shut down, I will give it to them in a slightly less comfortable way by you know, pulling back out of character for a moment. This, this helps a lot in a lot of situations. If somebody is just not getting the hint or is just being a complete jerk, step two, after letting them have some of the attention, step two is to simply lower my voice and become a bit more serious and say, you're interfering with everybody else's good time. We're trying to have a show. I'm trying to present a show. They're trying to enjoy a show. And you're kind of spoiling it for all of us. And that'll shut down most hecklers in in most any situation because nobody wants to be the jerk unless they're drunk. And if they're drunk, uh, if you are in a comedy club, if you're in a a formal show, or if you're in some place where you are working for someone else in that situation, then management takes over. You allow the security of whatever room you're working in to remove them from the situation. On the street, your option with an unruly, drunken, whatever, know-it-all heckler is you simply end the show. You just stop. You have the option of not performing anymore. If someone is just going to stand there and wants to ruin the show for everybody else, I will thank everyone for coming. I hope you enjoyed what I was able to perform but I'm not I'm not here looking for a fight. I'm not looking to challenge anybody. Um, and I'm certainly not here to make look, anybody look bad. But this gentleman or this lady or whoever is interfering with the show, uh, thank you, enjoy the rest of your night, and just stop and just end the show. And in that case, their friends will deal with them or the people around them will deal with them and, you know... You know, thanks a lot. Thanks for you know whatever ruining for everybody else. But I'm not going to be the bad guy because I'm not out there to be the bad guy. I'm out there to entertain. I'm out there to make people feel better. I'm out there doing my duty as... Okay, here's the soapbox again. Um, my attitude out on the street is not how much money can I make. That's not my first priority. That is not my, am I going to be able to pay the bills? That has to disappear. You have to excise that from your conscious mind while you're performing. My job is to stand out on that street and stop the people who have had a less than stellar day. The vast majority of people that are working for somebody else, that are not following their abilities and their dreams, that are simply at a job to make a paycheck to be able to survive one more day, and dealing with all of that stress and dealing with all of that unnaturalness that is heaped and piled upon them for hours after hour after hour, it is my job as a pressure valve to release that. So I make a kick-ass show, and I present it to them, and I give it to them Fully from my heart. And I ain't there for the money. And if there is an interference with that, if there is a a rainstorm, if there is a sudden snowstorm, if a tornado hits down, or a heckler pops up in the audience and has to have the attention and has to ruin the show, I'll stop. I will put my things away. I will take a break. And wait for them to leave. And wait for them to leave. And... Resume when they're gone, play for people that want to see you work and uh it's 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 sometimes harsh and it's tough the first few heck it's it's still tough sometimes, but uh you're there to present something, and you haven't charged him you're not you don't owe him anything. you don't owe Mr. Heckler anything at all. You don't owe drunken frat boy out with his buddies. You don't owe them anything. You're there providing it, mostly for free to most people. Um, And the money comes when it comes and as you ask for it and how it all comes out. But number one priority, give a good show. Give a kick-ass show. Make people happy. Lighten their day. You're performing a service. And it's up to you when you start and stop. That's how I deal with hecklers and know-it-alls. I don't have to do a thing for them at all. I hope that answers that. Rob from L.A. Yay, L.A. How do you respond to Stephen Colbert calling busking the lowest form of show business? I like Stephen Colbert. I like Stephen Colbert's show. Um, I like his outlook on most topics. I agree with him on some things. I disagree with him on other things. And he's wrong. My reaction, my response to Stephen Colbert is, come out on the street, and see how low it is, I will, uh, ego ego talking, but I'm expanding it to my, my fellow buskers, I will put up my performance against anything playing on Broadway, Mr. Colbert. I will, anything playing, any movie that's playing, I will bring a level of showmanship, and I know multitudes of other buskers, singers and jugglers and Fire eaters and bubble blowers who will absolutely entertain you on a much more personal level than anything you will ever see in a theater or in a movie. They will bring their heart and their soul to you personally. And to me, that is not the lowest form of show business. In fact, it may be the highest form. Because we are, in fact, putting this act together and taking it to the street exactly for our audience we don't ask our audience to come to us we go out to where they are so he's wrong Uh, experience has shown me that he is wrong Um, I would invite him to uh, try doing his show sometime on the street and stopping people he's a a celebrity he would probably stop a crowd but uh, come out and join me come out and see uh, what it's really like out there that's my answer Rob Um, Andrea Marie, how do you reconcile the reality of busking with the idea that it's not real work? Has your internal perspective on that shifted over the years? There's a lot of shame out there. Uh, A lot of people who will say it's not real work. But if you are doing it right, if you are not focused on what you're going to get out of it, it is absolutely some of the realest work you'll ever do. Um, in, in what I was talking about a few a few minutes ago, you put the work in before you get there, researching where you should be, where the crowds are going to be, uh, how you're going to dress, how you're going to appear, what kind of, you know, immediate marketing. Are you going to have a sign on your table, handle the magician you know, performing here? There's a lot of work that goes into it, and there's a lot of, I mean, performers of, of this caliber often... Work more and harder than people with quote real unquote jobs. Um, I was told by friends and families and neighbors and and everything else when I first began that it wasn't real work and that it wasn't a, a legitimate uh, job. It, it it would you know you should and I okay here's a here's an example. Um, I'm gonna step back in time for a minute to try to make this point. I lived in a neighborhood where there were lawyers and doctors and dentists and real estate agents and, uh, people of a kind of a mid range middle class. Let's, let's put it that way. And, uh, you know, four kids and a wife. And I was constantly told by my neighbors, uh, during parties, during, uh, neighborhood gatherings, I was told by my father, my, uh, um, the the people that I was close to, that you know you should be more responsible. You should look for uh, real work sometime because how long could this possibly last? It's not steady. It's not you know etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I go out on the street to perform, and I have no idea of what I'll be returning monetary wise. What I'll be returning home with. Plus you know there's a there's the feeling of it's not exactly safe. You're you're putting yourself out there in a in an Uh, risky environment which I'll address again in a few minutes Um, and I listened to that and I kind of halfway believed it and there were times when I was ashamed to tell people what it was that I did for a living because I did card tricks in restaurants and bars and I busked out on the streets of Charlotte that was my legitimate job Um, what changed my mind one of the big things that, that really altered my perception of what I was doing and the reason I was doing it was uh, 2008, there was a hiccup in the economic uh, bubble of our, uh, of our American society. And people were getting laid off. And people were cutting their entertainment budgets and canceling Christmas parties. and And my neighbors were getting downsized. And their jobs were being erased arbitrarily on the notion of, uh, of their bosses, of what their business thought, you know, their jobs went away. And they had nowhere to go. I, I watched a couple of my neighbors struggle with just paying their very bills because both of them, uh, both of their, their companies had downsized and they were left without a job after, you know, serving them for a number of years and while this was happening and while I got several calls that year about canceling parties because the the entertainment budget had just gone you know businesses were struggling to stay open I dressed myself and I went uptown with my table and I performed and I stopped people and I and I did my show and I made them laugh and I and I made them gasp in astonishment and They paid me. They didn't have a lot of money themselves, perhaps. Uptown had a very gloomy, glum kind of a feeling about it at the time because there was no good news in the economic. But I made them laugh, and because I made them laugh, they supported me. They put what money they could, and sometimes probably more than they could, because I changed their perspective on their day. I gave them a little hope. I gave them a little joy. I gave them a little laughter. And one night I came home and I was able to stop and get groceries and take money home to where we could pay our electric bill and we, we could feed our kids because I believed in what I did and I went and I did it and I brightened people's lives and they gave me money. And I came to realize that one, my job, my busking job my being out on the pavement and and doing what i do was a lot more stable in i'm flat out was a lot more stable than their cubicle jobs than than their their law firms than the places that they worked that they counted on as being steady work their jobs went away and they had no place exactly to turn for a while and their struggle was was awfully real and, and horrifying and while mine got scary, I was able to take a deep breath and go and do my job. Because one, I mean I work for myself. Uh, and and two, I just I took the chance that I could brighten somebody's day enough to where maybe I wouldn't get paid as much as I used to, but maybe I could still buy groceries and I could keep us we could keep us afloat for one more day. So one, I had the stability of uh of being able to continue to do my job, and two, what I was doing for my community was really vital. All they were getting was bad news. All they were getting was 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 doomsday and 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 bad thoughts and how are we going to last and what's going to happen next? And I got to take them out of that. I got to give them laughter and joy and hope and and a, and a different view. And relieve some of the pressure of the struggle that they were going through and and that Was a blessing to them and a blessing to me to be able to do it so that changed my perspective on how real my work was and That let's take it even let's expand on that for a second working in working as busking as uh, commando entertainment in the concrete theater of the uh, of the street I provided a service for my community. I relieved some of the pressure for the people that would stop from all walks of life. Anybody that would walk by, you know, no one has to pay for the show. Stop and enjoy it. I'm going to be okay. I'm trusting in the universe to take care of me. And you know what? It did. So I provided vital, necessary service, quote, for free to my city to my community to my neighbors and gave them a a moment of of respite in a a troubled time and in the meantime I paid my bills and we kept going and we moved forward so the reality of it was and reconciling where I was and all of that it was that my work was more real than I thought it was more necessary than I thought it was and more stable than the average person Person working for a random corporation uh, and that that matured my work in a lot of ways it's it was there that I learned to to tell the kind of stories that would uplift someone that would that would give them the glimmer you know that would uh, that would take some of the shadows away. That's really where my act started going in that direction um, and I can see. The 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 road behind me, how it how it is turned, uh, from that simple fact, from that simple realization, that I'm proud of what I do, and I do it to the best of my ability, and it is needed. So, that's how I reconciled it. W H, um, let's see, uh, hard to read the question. What if the day wasn't profitable enough? Or the month? That's He's got two questions here. One, what if the day wasn't profitable enough or the month? Um, it was. It always was. Uh, if the money wasn't coming in in one place, I would move to another place. If the day was simply off, if the day just simply wasn't going to happen, if it wasn't profitable enough. And to be honest, once I got in the rhythm of it and I was doing five or six nights a week, I would set a specific goal for myself, um, and I, you, you can get a feel of how much is coming across the table or how much is going into the hat. Um, because I wanted to be home. Some you know, I wanted to be home with the family. I spent days home, but you know there's always the pull of, of the family. Um, it, it always was profitable enough. If one night wasn't. Uh, I would move to some place, you know, I had two or three spots picked out before I ever went uptown as to where the busy spots were going to be and, and where people were going to be hanging out. And if I went through the entire night and I, I would work, you know, a six to eight hour day on the street, uh, regardless of whether I was making money or not making money, I put the time in and just, and ground, I use that term a lot, I, I was grinding it out. Uh, if that night wasn't profitable enough, I'd come back the next night. All I can tell you is, standing on this side of it, I made it. Uh, I made it happen. Um, I worked really hard. Uh, I got lucky in, in some instances, yeah. Um, I brought the kick-ass show. I, I fed the people that were in front of me with, with what I brought to bring to them. <laughs> what I brought to them. And I was, I was taken care of. I'm not going to use the word rewarded um, because life is life. But because I dedicated myself to it, there was always enough. Sometimes there was just enough. And sometimes we sacrificed and did without. But we were happy and we were fed and the light stayed on most of the time. The light stayed on and uh, and we had each other. And, um, you know, that's, uh, that was enough. Feast and famine, that's what show business is If you're going to commit yourself into it you got to realize Yeah, there's going to be really great days And there's going to be really awful days And you set aside You know, you save You set aside for the really awful days Uh, But you keep at it It's a job, it's a career You put yourself into it As you would to real job Because it is all on you at that point Uh, His second question was what if you don't have the finances to travel to a better location like a city? Uh, these are some things I'm sometimes dealing with. Um, a lot of it is location. Uh, you know living in, in small town there's there's other things you're going to have to do. if, if, if the city you're, you're near or the town you're near doesn't support that kind of thing, you know you, you, you opt you find a different plan. Now having said that, what came to mind, um, I know of a busker, my friend Glenn, who worked a small town, who literally went, I, I cannot tell you what his financial intake was, but the pictures that he put up and the, and the uh, enthusiasm with which he approached his work, um, even in a small town, uh, Salisbury, I think it was Salisbury, North Carolina, which isn't a big city by any stretch of the imagination. It's a its a town. Um, he got out on the sidewalk and he entertained people as they went by and they they rewarded him for it. They, they paid him for it. Um, he took his circumstance and he made it work for himself and eventually he graduated to bigger things. People started inviting him to do you know, their private shows or, or their corporate events and he did his work and he got noticed. Um, that's really the best answer I can give you. You, I, you know, I said this earlier, you you, you play the hand you're dealt. And sometimes it's not a great hand, but you play it to the best of your ability, and you fail. And when you fail, you try again. You fall down seven times, you stand up eight, which doesn't make sense. You should stand up seven because you only fell seven, so you should only stand up seven. But you keep at it. You, You don't... You were made for something, and if this is what you're made for, and if you're honest with yourself, and this is what you're at, keep at it. Keep grinding it out. It will turn. Um, that persistence is is so much in what you're doing. I would put persistence at maybe number two or three. Have a kick-ass show. Number two, persist at presenting that kick-ass show to as many people as you can. Accept no excuse. Put your feet on the ground. Get them under you and, and do what you were made to do. I'm off the soapbox now. Uh, keeping a crowd. Uh, my friend River, uh, keeping a crowd, how to do it. Uh, refer to rule one, have a kick-ass show. Um, we talked about gathering the crowd. Once the crowd is gathered, you have your kick-ass show in your pocket and you present it to them. And you entice them to stay. And if people leave, if people turn and walk away, take note of when they leave. Take note of when they leave your show and look at what you're doing at that particular time. And maybe you need to change that moment. Maybe you need to excise that completely from your show because that's where people decide there's something else to do. You tweak it. Um... And you uh, you entice them to stay. You you, the number one thing for keeping a crowd is having the kickass show to where they don't want to walk away. They've got to see how it ends. Um, uh, you're a musician, so you're you're playing what is pleasing. You start with what your heart tells you to play, with what you what you enjoy playing, and you work the crowd. You make eye contact. You. You smile at them, you, you, you perform for them. I think one of the biggest mistakes that, that buskers uh, that, that only try it a couple of times and throw their hands up and say this isn't for me or, or this just isn't working at all is they haven't been persistent and they haven't taken the time to learn how to present a show. One of the things I figured out really quickly was that doing tricks wasn't enough. Uh, I could do a trick or two, and I would get pocket change. But if I gave them a show, if I gave them what they and they viewed as a show, a performance, um, I would get dollar bills and fives and tens and twenties, you know, um, because they felt like they had seen a show. Uh, I, I do see musicians in in the different towns that I see busking in where they're they don't talk to their audience, they don't interact with the audience, and in their open cases they've got a couple of dollar bills or maybe a 5 but a bunch of change you know because they have relegated themselves to background music and for some that works for some that's great uh, i'm not i'm not looking down on their performing in any, in any sense if that's what they want if that's what makes them happy if that's how they are bringing their art to the public if they are simply here's my music i think it's beautiful I'm going to play it in a public place where you can hear it. That's awesome. Not expecting any kind of a return, any kind of a, you know, any great monetary return on what they're doing, because they've simply propped open a box and said, if you feel like giving something, here it is. Um, My style of performance was actively asking for money at the end. And both ways are legitimate and valid. You are performing the service more than you are out there for the money. Period. If you're only in it for the money, um, you're 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 starting you're, you're hobbling yourself. It's it's not going to work as effectively or as well if your mind is on the purse the entire time. Uh, this is my opinion. Your mileage may vary, but this is what I've seen from hours and hours and tens of thousands of hours out doing that kind of thing. Sarah asks about performance safety, performer safety. Um, I have been robbed twice. Um, I had a gun put in my face one time and, and uh, asked to hand over all my money, which I did. And then I got um, jumped from behind. I got, I got hit in the head from behind and, uh, and robbed while I was on the ground uh, once. And in both cases, I was not paying attention to my surroundings in both cases I was on my way back to my vehicle and I was tired and I my mind was elsewhere and I was not watching what was going on around me and I work alone I'm out there on the street by myself when I'm working and I always make it a point to park someplace where there's light someplace where there's no hiding places someplace where you know, I might have to walk a little further. I might have to pay a little more in a, in a parking garage. But being in a well-lit place uh, where there are people, you know, around uh, helps safety an awful lot. So as far as performer safety goes, be aware of your surroundings. Be aware of who's who's watching you, who's nearby. Uh, take care of where you park, how you get there, how you get back home, Um be aware and, and, and stay safe uh, in particular in Charlotte I know that um, police officers that the, they will uh, walk with you uh, to wherever you parked or you know be nearby uh, if you ask and, and they're generally all the way around in Charlotte um, tell them you know straight up I was here performing um, I'm going back to my vehicle now could you would you walk me back to where I'm going to be and you know take every precaution but mostly it's awareness um, not putting yourself in a place of danger uh, I've never I've never had a major issue where I, where I was worried about my safety while I was on the street um, but again I am a large white male and your Mileage may vary wildly from that. Um, the best advice I can give on the on the safety issue is stay in the light. Stay where there are people. Um, be aware of what's going on around you and take your precautions just like you would do anything else. Um, so there, if you've got deeper questions, if you have other things like that, post, let me know, give me a call, um, and I'll address that more. Uh, in depth, if you'd like, but that's that's the basics of it. Uh, Nathan asks, "What you what should you look for in selecting a location? People, find out where the people are. That's part of the job. I'll go back over that again. Find out where the people are. Find out you know uh, where you can draw a crowd. That's that's it. Uh, now there you know what your rules are in the city that you're working in. Uh, with Charlotte, any public sidewalk is fair game any public park is fair game know where the public places are know where the privately owned parts of the sidewalk are um if you don't know somebody will come and tell you Uh, and when they tell you that you're on private property be polite and move you know it's their space if they own it you got to move um in charlotte and this is this is where my experience is any public place, any public sidewalk, you cannot be within a certain number of feet of a uh, of an ATM or a restaurant. In fact, while I'm talking to you, I'm gonna look it up because it's on uh, a website. I did this neat little documentary with a friend uh, called April. She made a little movie about um, uh, about busking in Charlotte. And you can find that uh, in its entirety. You can watch the entire film online at buskmovie.com. Um, it's me and, and several other Charlotte Busker street performers who um, uh, made this little documentary, and she's, she's fantastic at what she did. Uh, okay, here's what Charlotte is. Um, and this is right off of the website, buskmovie.com. Uh, answers a lot of the questions uh, as well and gives some, uh, some uh, links to other things. Busking-related laws in Charlotte. Busking is allowed without a city-issued license. You don't need a license to perform in Charlotte. On any public sidewalk, plaza, and park within posted hours and rules. And you can't be in a place, in a park, for example, after they, uh, they close, which, you know, there's not going to be people there. Why would you go there anyway? You know, again, it's common sense. Busking is not allowed on any means of public transportation. Can't do it on the bus, can't do it on the train, etc. You cannot do it within 20 feet of a transit stop, outdoor dining or retail area, bank or automated teller machine. 20 feet, that's that's pretty generous. Um, I, I thought it would be in, in yards, like 20 yards, but can't be within 20 feet of a transit stop, outdoor dining or retail area, bank or automatic uh, automated teller machine. That's common sense. Uh, no, cannot perform on private property unless invited to by the property owner or his representative. Um, always ask, you know, find out where you're performing. Find out what's private and what's what's public. Uh, continuing, buskers may not. Again, this is Charlotte, and and it, but a lot of it's common sense. So it, it, you know, check with your own city. Buskers may not solicit for specific amounts or sell merchandise without a peddler's license. You're not there to sell anything. You cannot put up a sign and say, tips, five bucks, and up, or whatever. You can't ask for a specific amount. You can ask in general for tips, but not a specific amount. You may not impede the flow of pedestrian or vehicular traffic or block the entrance to private property. Common sense. You may not operate sound amplification equipment without a city permit. Um, if you play a guitar through an amplifier, you'll have to get a permit, a sound permit. If you play the guitar just acoustically or the fiddle or the violin or the viola without hooking it up to an amplifier, you're gold. You can do that. If you want to play a tuba, that's fine. As long as it's not hooked up to amplification, you're gold. You can do it anywhere you want. You may not place flyers or other ads on private property, including vehicles, without the owner's consent. You may not deface property. For example, uh, sidewalk chalk can't deface the property. You cannot do your art on the sidewalk because it is defacing property. Or climb on railings, poles, or posts. Um, You may not attempt to compel an individual to give a tip or watch a performance. And it's, it's kind of smoky gray area there. Um, the police officers that know these rules and have watched me perform have never said anything to me about it uh, with with lighthearted compelling. Uh, I do uh, solicit for tips without giving specific amounts, and I do try to compel people to come and watch me. Um, that's never been, you know, your mileage may vary, and if they ask you to stop, you stop. That's it, period, done. But uh, lighthearted that way, it's never been, ever, ever been an issue. Actually kind of surprised to see that. You may not cause threat to public safety, like fires, knife juggling, etc. Common sense, common sense. You may not consume drugs or alcohol on public property or perform while intoxicated. Common sense. Uh, do not leave debris behind. Keep your area clean before, during, and after the performance. Um... Buskers under the age of 16 must be accompanied by an adult after 11 p.m. And that's kind of it. That's kind of it. Um, permits. Those of you who asked uh, about permits, I'm going to jump ahead here. Sound amplification permit is free. You simply have to go. You can If you go to buskmovie.com, there's a link. Um to uh, To get the application for a sound amplification permit, it's free. You just have to fill out the uh, the paperwork. Peddler's license, if you want to sell your merchandise or you want to ask for specific amounts, twenty five bucks. Uh, peddler's license, you you apply. You are only allowed to stay in one spot for thirty minutes at a time, so be mobile. Um, applica- the link is right here on this site as well. I will. Um, I'll put the link up on. Um, In the in the description of uh, the podcast, you can you'll have a link uh, handy when that comes. Twenty five bucks for a peddler's license. Tryon Street Mall use permit. uh, Main is a big Main Street there in in Tryon and Charlotte. uh, Also free. Uh, Temporary permits are required for vendors and event organizers, not buskers. Sorry to use the following public areas. So that's that's kind of it. Those are the things and. BuskMovie.com, you'll find it. I will put up uh, a link to that as well. So that's uh, those are the places you can work, and that's those are the rules that, that have to be followed here in Charlotte. Uh, Daniel, what are your thoughts on performers working together in certain situations? I think it's great. If you work together, if you're a team, if you work a tag team, like somebody does something for a little while and then takes a break while the partner does something else entirely, or you work together, You know, do it. You do what you feel is right. Whatever you feel to put your art out there, that's the thing. Uh, Daniel, do you wait... uh, Other Daniel, do you wait till the end to suggest tipping or stress it throughout the show subtly? I personally, and I've seen it done many different ways, personally, I wait until just before I do the big finish. And then I have a short little spiel and I say... In a moment, I'm going to do the big finish, and it's going to be big. Uh, At the end of the big finish, my hat is going to be on the table for your donations and tips. No one is required to tip. No one has to give a donation. But if you enjoyed the show, and note that I waited till the end before I asked for money. I let you watch the entire show for free. If you feel you enjoyed the show, put whatever you feel the show was worth into the hat and help me support my art. Um, If I don't get paid, I won't be here you know, if I don't get paid over a certain amount of time, I won't be here the next time you come looking for me. I'll be in a different part of the city. Um, thank you for watching. I hope you've enjoyed the show. Don't, want, don't run away just yet. There's still good stuff coming, and you're welcome to stay, whether you can tip or not. But the hat will be out for you. And that's what I do, and that's pretty much, with some variations, that's what I say. I get them to laugh a little bit. Um, I relax them on the asking for money, and I have become comfortable with it after having done it thousands of times. Uh, you know, screw up your courage and, and simply ask. I do it one, you know, before the last effect. Uh, I know some people that do it throughout. I know some people that will do the entire act and then ask. So it's what feels best for you. Try a bunch of different ways. How important is external advertising? Don't know. I've never used it. Um, I rely on my personality The way I look, getting people's eye contact 20, 30 feet away, showing that something fun and safe is going on and making it happen. Um, It has been, external advertising has been completely unimportant to me. Uh, Maybe I missed out on something, but uh, in my work, I just did my job. I just went out and and promoted myself, you know, loudly where I was without having uh, signage up worked for me, your, your, uh, your mileage may vary, whatever makes you the most comfortable. Susan, Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I've been waiting for this one to come up. Um, Susan writes, I think the Joshua Bell experiment, or stunt, if you'd rather, done by uh, yeah by an excellent thing to, to discuss. Uh, There's the link uh, to it. Basically, a guy played his violin in a Washington train station during rush hour, and unsurprisingly to no busker whatever, everyone walked right on by to get to work. The perspective of the WAPO guy was that since the player was Joshua Bell and the violin was a Stradivarius, that this was a statement about the decay of Western society. Whereas we as buskers know it was just a statement that Joshua Bell is, not surprisingly, a terrible busker which is why this is a stunt and not a real experiment. Put Mr. Bell in the park at lunch, and he'd have gotten a very different result. But since the reporter had decided on his message first, he set up the experiment to fail. Amen and hallelujah, and let's pass the hat. I actually found it to be an extremely encouraging statement about busking as a skill and the vital importance of picking your place and time. Do it right, and you have the best shot you can have at an excellent crowd, picked the wrong time and place, and Joshua Bell himself couldn't get a crowd. That is Susan, my friend from the Rambling Sailors uh, from Carolina Renaissance Festival. She's exactly right. Time and placement and, yeah, trying to do it in rush hour in a busy train station that people are trying to get to work, bad timing. Um, And, yeah, I do believe they set up the experiment to fail just to say, oh, whoa, nobody recognizes what good art is anymore, But, yeah, if you put Joshua and his skill in the right time and place, like she said, in a park, um, in a more leisurely crowd walking exercise, put him between where people are staying in a hotel and going to a restaurant, for example, like I did, and he's playing well, people will stop. He's got some amazing talent, and the things he does will cause people to stop as long as he chooses the right place and time. Um, you can find, if you want to take a look at the, re- at the report, at the stunt, as she so aptly calls it, uh, you can find it at the Washington Post, uh, Wepo, WashingtonPost.com. Do a search. Uh, the article is called Pearls Before Breakfast. Um, wrong time of day for busking. I sleep in. Uh, it's the wrong attitude at that time of day. Busking is a is a it's a social science. It's a it's a performance science. Look at the audience. Look at where they're going to be. Look at the attitude of what's going to be happening. Think about it. You know, uh, Chris Benz, how do I transition to other indoor performances without taking a pay cut? <laughs> Why would you want to? Um, here's how i did it and you know this this whole show this whole diatribe this whole conversation is is based on what i did and what worked for me and honestly just putting yourself out there and getting the feel for it is going to be what's right for you you uh chris is in a in a in a big city in a fairly large city that has a, a a healthy um busking community his question again is, "How do I transition to other indoor performances without taking a pay cut?" I went from the street and started working near the restaurants that I wanted to work in. I uh, I would go in when I was when I was soliciting restaurants. I became a face in the city that I was working in. I became a minor celebrity because people in the busiest parts of town, the the locals, would see me working. And they'd hear the people that were coming in for dinner talking about my show. And my name is, you know, it, it's, uh, they, they recognize the name. It, it's, it's unique. Uh, so that when I would approach the restaurants that I wanted to work in, uh, they'd already heard of me. Or, you know, my favorite way of landing a restaurant was to go in and do tricks for the bartender while having an appetizer and a beer, getting to know that guy and then, you know, talking to the manager and, and getting in from that direction. But a lot of that transition came because I had been on the street for so long, people just kind of knew who I was. Um, not taking a pay cut, you um, you ask for what you're worth. Uh, my transition went street to restaurant slash bar to corporate. I picked carefully, in much the same way that I picked where I was going to work on the street, I picked restaurants that catered to the kind of people I wanted to work for. I wanted to do corporate speaking. I wanted to do corporate dinners. I wanted to do high-dollar Corporate events. So I chose restaurants that corporate executives dined in. And I sold myself to those restaurants. Literally, I mean, I sold my art at a certain price to the restaurants. Largely, not for the money that the restaurants would pay me, but for the ability to bring my specific brand of magic comedy storytelling in front of the people who have the money to pay me what I'm worth and that's how I made my transition i got in front of the people you know we've all heard it as performers we've all been approached with um, there'll be x number of people there and the exposure will be great well to coin a you know to quote a cliche people die from exposure what you want is to be able to pick and choose. Let's get a sound wrong. You want to be able to pick and choose who you expose yourself to. You want to pick the environment that is going to open you up for actual work in the future, and not just random people like you get on the street. So I went from uh, working in the you know in the busy parts uh, where people were going to theater or going to um, I, didn't, I didn't position myself near the clubs as much as I did near businessmen bars and business people uh, going to restaurants and like that. I put myself in the path of the people I wanted to work for. That's how I made the transition. And it turned out fairly well. So there... I think, let me double-check a a different page here for a second, but I think that answers um, what I was looking for. Make sure there weren't any questions I missed over on the Patreon page, because sometimes I do that. Um, Another word about this, about the the Patreon page, at uh, patreon.com slash Artist. this enables me to... To do things like MDA, to be able to do public shows, more public shows at a reasonable price, um, rather than constantly performing for the corporate people, take care of my basic bills. Um, the things that I struggle with, and delving just this way in it for a moment, but the things I struggle with are the legal bills, the the the, the things the divorce caused that I'm that I'm having to pay for. I'm not throwing a pity party here. This is just the facts and still wanting to be able to perform publicly and be able to support charities like MDA, and uh, USO isn't a charity, but but working for the USO, your pledges on the Patreon enable me to be able to do those things. Um, It doesn't look like I have any other questions over on the Patreon page specifically. Um, Earlier today, I posted a new video to the YouTube channel, uh, if you go to YouTube and just do a search for Hannibal the Magician or Hannibal Magic, uh, you'll find me. Now there are... I have my own video channel, uh, which is linked on my uh, on my webpage, themagicartist.com. You can find a lot of links there, but there are certain... Other people have recorded me, video-wise, and put those up on YouTube. So if you just go to YouTube, do a search for Hannibal Magician... You'll find me uh, as an example. I did a TED talk, um, and that's on the the TEDx channel and not on mine. But uh, Hannibal TEDx will will find that fairly quickly. I was uh, there's one that was shot by Susie Films uh, called entitled "The Second Oldest Trick in Sleight of Hand." Um, that thing has that particular video has gotten over two million views, and I'm stunned. Uh, by that, uh, by that number. So, um, yeah, thanks to, to everybody that, that viewed that. If you could all send me a dollar. Um, <laughs> but, uh, new video up on YouTube on, uh, it's called The Dash. Um, it's a little, it's a short video. It's only about three minutes long. Uh, a little poetry, a little magic. Um, kind of, uh, it's something I had on my mind, and, and hopefully it'll 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 move you as well. That's going to be about it for me this week. Uh, this upcoming week. Oh man, yeah. Here's no. This is important actually. That's in my notes of things I should say. Um, so let me say this. Coming up tomorrow night. Well, nope. Never mind. By the time this gets posted uh, on iTunes, it will have already passed. The first Monday of every month, you can find me at Petra's. Uh, on on Commonwealth Drive in Charlotte, North Carolina, the very first Monday of every month. Uh, I'm recording this on a Sunday night. So tomorrow night on the 7th, uh, it'll be me and Chris Curitan uh, at Petra's. Doors always open at 8. Show usually starts around 8.30-ish. And uh, I feature a a new local artist every month Uh, just to get a flavor of what the local art is. I bring uh, uh, an artist in. Um so the next one is of course is going to be September the 4th. My friend Nikki Redmond's going to be opening that one for me and then uh we'll progress on through the year. Uh but every Monday, every first Monday of every month you can find me at a special artistic guest at Petras on the 23rd of August. I'm going to be uh doing a dinner theater at Aix-en-Provence, which is on Providence Road in Charlotte. Um, A-I-X-E-N, three words, P-R-O-V-E-N-C-E, Aix-en-Provence in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, six o'clock, uh, opening doors, uh, showtime around seven, but this will be a full meal with wine tasting and wine pairings. Uh Something special. It's a it's a it's a different kind of show than the Petra show. Something unique and one of a kind for this particular restaurant, which has opened its arms for me. It's a it's great food, great wine, and great magic. Then on September second, I will be uh, at two p.m. I will be performing at Matthews Alive at the uh, Matthews Alive Festival in Matthews, North Carolina. Doing a a, a family friendly show in the uh, in the library there, what used to be the library there, in the in the school thing, the indoor stage. <laughs> I like working with air conditioning. Uh, the indoor stage at Matthews Alive at two p.m. on September second, and following that later in September, uh, catch me at the magic stage for Festival in the Park at uh, also in Charlotte. Uh, something that I did for years, haven't been there in the past couple of years because of weather situations and other situations. But Grand Return Festival in the Park, September twenty second through twenty fourth, etc., etc. What what fun! What a, what a what a great job I have! What a lucky, lucky, fortunate, blessed man I am, and uh, I, I'm lucky uh, to have you listening. I do appreciate the time that you put in in listening to my rantings and my my semi-ravings. My rantings get raves, and um, you've uh, you've brought me back from the edge with the love you send in my way, and the and the support you give me, and the notes that you send me, uh, the photographs that you send me, the smiling happy faces that uh, let me know that I am uh, I'm reaching you. Every little bit helps. Support my show. Uh, all the infos there it'll be there'll be links on the uh on the channel uh, share with friends uh, hit like hit subscribe subscribe is is uh, is really important uh to the people that the powers that be that watch over you know uh, independent programs like this one uh subscribe to my youtube channel um, and let me know let me hear from you let me know what you'd like to hear me talk about it's my show but uh do it for you and i want to i want to address things you'd like to hear from a full-time performing magic dude card monkey I uh, love you all and i'm really grateful for you i'll see you soon and i hope that there's love where you are
1: on the corner, staring down the street, oh whoa Making funny faces at the people we don't meet, oh whoa Oh whoa Holding out of pockets for all the world to see, a oh, whoa Singing our old songs, busking you and me, a oh, whoa Oh whoa It's funny how they always seem to want to get away from you Just throw a little money and say, "Hey man, now do just what you do You sing a little anthem and answer, hey man, I am Just a little more dough and I'll show you where I stand That's the plan, ain't life grand Breaking in the quarters, nickels, and the times of oh war Just breathing and dreaming and passing by the time of oh war whoa. Oh whoa. Thinking of the past and what we live for Then war Where we're living now, our worries in the winter Oh, whoa. oh whoa. Funny how she always seems to want to get away from you She calls you honey in the job, But when she's out, you're glue. Lord, it's true You put your axe up in the case And then you're easy making his for the dough Then you bust it to the corner Get your buskin all in order for the show On the road, here we go To go. Every time I play a woe, a whoa. Days turn into weeks and weeks are into years a woe We live for the fans and make music in the ears of woe No, I think I'm good.